okay, y'all, I don't mean to be dramatic, but I don't know that there is a better way to start 2022. <laughs> and obviously, okay, I'm knocking on wood. I don't know if you guys can hear that um, because I've, I've said that probably before and we've had some rocky years, especially the past couple. Um, but I am just feeling really optimistic, I would say just more generally in the conversations that I've had, not just for the podcast, but also just with my family and my friends and, and all of my loved ones, because I feel like the past couple of years have been, I mean, really just tumultuous um, emotionally, physically, health-wise for so many people. And that's been really difficult. And it's also exposed a lot of layers, I think, to ourselves and to other people that we didn't necessarily know we wanted to see, or maybe didn't really know we're there. Um, and I think that that was, you know, it's impossible to really explain the the grief and the difficulties we've, uh, many people have faced and, and we've faced, but I think it's also provided a lot of beauty and, and shown a lot of creativity. And, and, you know, there's just all this in the news about people reorienting their lives because they've realized how precious life is um, and how precious the people that they love are. And so while, you know, I would give anything to, to make all of the hurt go away that, that we've experienced in the past couple of years, I think that the, the beauty that's, that's resolved in it is going to shine a lot. Um, through not, not, not really just through me, through everyone and, and through people's experiences and in what they expect from their life and, and what they want to give back. So that is, is a long-winded way of me saying that I'm really excited for this next season of the podcast and this next season of life. Um, I have talked to, I, I really spent an entire episode talking about this, but as you guys know, I moved from Atlanta recently. I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll be like, four months, five months, something like that. Um, we're pre-recording, honey, we're professional. <laughs> but it, you know, it's, it's been really liberating for me, I think, to do something that was really hard, which was kind of restart. I would assume I, is the best way I can describe it, re, kind of press restart on my life. And, and um, that was really difficult, but I feel really, positive and I feel really back in tune with myself and the most beautiful thing I think about this podcast is is to go back and to listen through the different seasons and I hope that that's what it is for you I hope that like obviously everyone's seasons are reflective on their own experience and their own life but I do find a lot of beauty and it's really helpful for me to listen to other people um, and to read other people as they go through their own life and to find similarities, to find common emotions, common causes, common problems um, and common success. And so I, I want, it's cool to look back and to see that that's what's being reflected through the podcast and that I, I'm just so happy to let you all in, in this way. And I hope that it is building you up. And I hope that like, when you hear about my failures, you feel like, okay, yeah, that was rough for her. I feel like I can go through what I'm going through too. You know what I mean? Or, or I just hope that it's, it's relatable in the sense that everyone's paths and experiences are different, but I, I just hope that it, that it comes across as, as honest and as, kind of gut-wrenching and, and, and really relatable in the sense that you're not alone in whatever you're going through and whatever you're experiencing. Um, and that it's okay to act really crazy and to do something bizarre to make sure that you're okay. 
um, is really like something that I didn't expect to go through while recording this podcast, but that I have, um, and will likely come again, but I feel a lot of community in doing that with you all and, and have loved what you've, the, 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 the energy and the, the peace and, the, and through the words that you've given back to me and saying like, you know, I felt this way or, or I've done this, or I've, I've, but know exactly what you're saying. Here's a situation where I related to you that is unbelievable for me and such an honor that I take so seriously. And I hope that you all know that. And then the reason that I take so much time in curating and in thinking is because one, my brain moves at a slower pace not in a way where I like can't get through things, but in a way where I really do try to take my time and I can't throw out things that I don't mean and that aren't important and that aren't real. And I don't have that every day. You know what I mean? And I think that's the coolest, best thing about this is that that's okay. And when I got something to say, you better believe I'll say it. And this time I had somebody else that also had something to say, which is always the best when we get to have a guest on the podcast. Um, this episode, um, I recorded right before the holidays with Cole Arthur Riley. She is, I mean, like, let's talk about somebody that to look up to. I mean, and that would probably make her uncomfortable to hear me say that, but that is truly what she is. Um, She's the creator and writer of Black Liturgies, which we'll talk about in a little bit um, when you listen to this episode. But she really, the reason I think, if anyone doesn't know who she is, it's simply because she chose that. (laughs) She chose, she owned that. Um, She was anonymous for the first good chunk of Black liturgies really taking off, which is an Instagram account. Um, You've definitely probably seen the post. I mean, if you follow me at all, you've seen it. Um, Her words are unbelievable. And it's an account basically where she releases for other people to take in, you know, Black prayer, rage, lament, you know, really just everything. And it's, it's really just a beautiful creation and a beautiful um, community of words and a prayer and of affirmations for people to share, to reflect on, to help them share with other people, really whatever it is. Um, and she also just wrote a book, which is incredible. And I got to to get a kind of a sneak peek and look at an early version of it. So that's what we talk about in this episode. But to share more on her, Cole Arthur Riley is, like I said, the creator and writer of Black Liturgies, which is a space for spiritual words of liberation, lament, rage, and rest, and a project of the Center of Dignity and Contemplation, where she serves as the executive curator. Born for born and for the most part raised in Pittsburgh, Cole studied writing at the University of Pittsburgh, and her debut book, This Year Flesh, will be published in February of 2022. I think, I know we say this in the episode, but I'm pretty sure it's February 22nd, 2022, so um, I, I joked with her in the episode, but I, I, I always have a book that I, I give to people like pretty much per, I I would say there's usually like a book a year. And it's not that like, oh, if you haven't received a book for me, like you're so important to me. It's not that at all. It's just that sometimes I feel really called to a book and really called to a piece of literature. And when I notice that I, when I notice something in a friend or a common struggle or something similar that they're going through that I understand, I try to give them the book that helped me through that. Um, and it's also just like a really stinking good gift. And I literally joked with her. This is re- I'm gonna, everybody's about to get this book. So I'm sorry if y'all already, but don't buy it if you know me really well, cause it's coming. <laughs> um, but it's really just so, so beautiful. And 
it's cool because we talk about this in the episode, but it's not necessarily a direct result of black liturgies, um, but it does, it does correlate pretty dang well. And it's just really helped the amount of people that she can reach through her amazing words. Um, she is so lovely. It was such an amazing conversation because it's, it's really intimidating to interview people generally, but then also people that you've been following for some time, because I think just as humans, we kind of assume how someone else will be through the small interactions that we've had. Um, and so to interview someone that I'm inspired by so much and to have them to, to end the interview and be like, wow, now I'm 10 times more inspired by them is a really incredible feeling. And I am excited to share that with those of you that know who she is um, and have been following Black Liturgies, those of you who will like look it up as soon as I say it, and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. And then those of you that don't know her from Adam, your life's about to be changed. Um, and I can't wait to hear about how, how incredible it is for you. Um, so I hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Um, if you have any questions about it or any thoughts or anything like that, always feel free to share those with me personally or through Instagram or really whatever it is. I'm always so happy to, to get that feedback. And then I'm excited to share with Cole how her words are going to touch each of you because it definitely did with me. I was like out here learning, like praising, clapping, really just everything. Um, it's it's so good and she's so wise. And, and it was it's one of those conversations that you, you feel better for knowing about, um, or at least that's how I felt. So I'm excited for you guys to listen and Yay, we can well, go ahead so and jump right to in. to talk to you today. I have like, I want to talk about everything, but obviously I want to start with Black Liturgies and I've got like as much of this year flesh printed out as I could. <laughs> it is amazing, your upcoming book. So I want to talk a little bit about that too, kind of as much as we can um, and just kind of share that with the listeners. But um, I just want to start out by saying thank you for Black Liturgies. It's amazing. Um, and I found it actually, I know we were just talking about when I started the podcast, but I guess a little bit around a year ago, around the time with, um, after, after hearing about, I would say more so the killing of Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends had been sharing your post repeatedly and I just hadn't clicked on them. And then I was like, where in the world is she getting this great content? And so mm -hmm. I went to it and what I appreciated so much about it was that it, your account really gave me a voice when I didn't really feel like I had anything to say, or I, that was the first time I really couldn't find words um, or kind of something mm -hmm. to put out. And so it was the first time I was, I felt speechless, but was really given what I felt. Um, and so first off, I appreciate that, but I'm so interested to hear is that, or when you started the account, did you know that it would serve in that purpose as in giving words to other people or what was kind of your, your spark to start something like that? Hmm. Yeah, so I guess we we probably started around the same time then. I started yeah. in, in um, July, I think, mm -hmm. um, of 2020. So maybe just a few months later, you began this podcast. So I was also, you know, grieving the murders of Ahmaud yeah. Arbery and George mm -hmm. Floyd and, you know, the resurfacing of the murders of Breonna Taylor and Elijah right. McClain. And really, I you know, I just did not have an imagination for what it's become. I truly was kind of thinking if there are a dozen people out there who yeah. both love written prayer and are for Black lives and mm -hmm. um, understand that spirituality has this um, yeah. necessary emotional component, this mm -hmm. diversity of emotions, like lament, right. like rage, if I can get, you know, a dozen of us together, I truly, that yeah. is 
all I was really envisioning for the space mm-hmm. um, and quickly obviously found that there are a lot of people that were maybe craving that. And I, and I, yeah. I really appreciate what you said about it, you know, offering words when you felt a lack of them, because mm-hmm. that's absolutely how I became interested in liturgy um, yeah. and prayer. I used to think it was very strange and, and mm-hmm. I, I, I used to be very critical of it actually. So yeah. I think it was kind of forced and like, mm-hmm. you know, don't tell me what to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, like I know what I want to say to God. And there was this yeah. um, real resistance in me until I, mm-hmm. ha- I, I lived with depression and I had a season mm-hmm. of depression after college and there was just not nothing I could say, no words I could muster mm. that felt, um, I didn't even have the energy to try to muster yeah. the words to communicate with God. And I remember going to mm-hmm. um, Episcopal church services and feeling this sense of relief and just mm-hmm. rest that mm-hmm. I could just be in a space without this constant demand being made of me yeah. to like c- articulate myself and articulate things. So I'm, I haven't heard anyone express what you just expressed mm-hmm. in a way that like kind of takes me back to that moment. How seven years ago where I was first encountering liturgy. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. It's, that's cool that you're doing the reverse with that now. Um, and something too, that I, I realized when I found your account and I was going through it was that, and I don't know if you ever feel this because obviously your account is based in prayer and with being a creator too, I feel like sometimes I think in my head, I, I know where I stand and I know my faith, but I'm always trying to make sure that what I create makes everyone feel welcome, right? Mm -hmm. It makes everyone feel understanding. And I think I'm always in my head like, oh, well, I hope one person isn't, you know, frustrated by the fact that I'm talking about prayer if they don't relate to that, right? Or feeling Mm -hmm. like, like I'm always trying to tote that line between, you know, really sharing how I feel, sharing what I think is helpful for other people, but making sure that everyone feels included, even if that's not exactly the path that they're on. Is that something you ever struggle with? Or are you just kind of like, this is what I'm putting out and what I, what I have to give. Oh, a hundred percent. I struggle with that. I I think, um, you know, living in America, living in Mm -hmm. a Christian dominated, a a Christian nationalist, um, yeah, realm of existence. I I feel a lot of tension. I want people who aren't Christian to feel welcome and safe in the space. And Mm -hmm. there are times where, you know, I want to post, an old testament verse yeah. or something like that and I, mm-hmm. I have to really look at the context around what's happening in the world <laughs> around exactly. us to think, like is it really my yeah. place to use um these words in this moment is this is this, is this really mm-hmm. the best time and so I I think a lot about that I frankly probably overthink about that because mm-hmm. um I've been in spaces I've been in religious spaces that demanded I believe a certain thing in order to yeah. belong and I think it really complicates our relationship to spirituality, to our mm-hmm. relationship to our ourselves when, you know, in order for you to belong in this space, you have to think X, Y, and Z. And I never, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm always very aware of like, am I making, is, <laughs> is, is that, you know, becoming, a, yeah. is, is that at stake with Black liturgies? And right. so, yeah, I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. You do a great job of it. I think it really does, because I feel like with and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your posts, I think I can see that they've started to kind of follow more of a 
not a template, that sounds really structured, but you know, there's maybe a quote or words from you and then Mm -hmm. a prayer and then information and then resources is kind of a format that I've been able to follow. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you do such a great job of it because someone might be like, okay, you know, I don't have the words for prayer. This kind of helps me, even if that's not how they see it. Um, which I think is awesome. So I just, you do a great job of that too. A lot of this will also just be me building you up because I think you're so great. <laughs> I <laughs> so appreciate that. So uncomfortable. I am so sorry, <laughs> oh, but it's just so good. And I think you do such a great job of it. Um, and you. do you feel like it's, it's what you thought it would be? Did you plan it to be this way? Or do you feel like it's really just on its own path of, and you're just kind of letting the way people take it in help it grow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely sense that that it's evolving a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. when I began, I wasn't showing my, I, I was completely anonymous. Um, yeah, I know. I when you, when you showing finally my... showed who you were, I was like, oh, here she is. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. And I hadn't even told like some of my closest friends would yeah. be like, would repost Black Liturgy's post and I would just not say anything. You're <laughs> so I was like super low key. That I was really, so I, yeah. I, I knew that anonymity would offer me a lot of freedom Absolutely. early on for a mm-hmm. courage that I I think I personally lacked. I don't think that's the reason why everyone mm-hmm. remain, remains anonymous on these apps. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I think I've slowly begun to A, incorporate my face off Mm -hmm. and on not often um, I admit but every once in a while (laughs) and you know the the, at time of recording you know we're in advent and I've just recently started to offer these advent gathering spaces and it's the first Mm -hmm. time I'm encountering people who are are always in the comments I'm interacting with them in the comments I've only known them by their handle and I'm finally getting to encounter them Mm -hmm. face to face and Mm -hmm. I'm like I want I want more of that it it terrifies me the evolution (laughs) but also I think it's good and and necessary um in order for it to be a space that doesn't just belong to me you know I have to get into that yeah and something that I really loved and girl, we're about to get into this book this here flesh it is so (laughs) good and it comes out in February is that right Yes, February 22nd. Okay, I'm gonna write that. I'm, I'm gonna literally buy as many copies as I can. It's gonna be my new gift, I think, too, for other people. <laughs> so Thank I'm definitely you. gonna be getting it. But, and and I, I'm still staying kind of within the realm of Black liturgies, but I was able to get through, I think, six chapters of the PDF that you sent me. And like, I couldn't, I really couldn't, I had to force myself to stop because like I said, I still have a job, so I can't like, <laughs> read all day. Um, but I know that it's so funny because in one of the chapters, I think you, you talk about how you've always been kind of interested when people say that they heard God talk to them. Um, and like I said, you'll be able to say this much more eloquently than I can, but always a little bit hesitant when people are, you know, I heard God in my dreams, or I heard God say to do this. And Mm -hmm. I just wondered when I was when I was reading what like, literally your, your work that God has done through you, looking at your account that God sent through you, I wonder if that's still something that you feel, or if you just kind of feel like the Lord speaking to you in different, not as direct ways as maybe you've heard Mm -hmm. people say. Yeah, I've always felt so distant from that language. You know, yeah. I first encountered yeah. people, you know, speaking like that, I think in college and same people um, were having thought, dreams. Yes. And <laughs> yes. I felt so alienated by it. I thought yeah, I'm like, I was waiting for something in order to yeah. um, you know, be a person of faith because I thought, right. you know, this other shoes, you know, something else is gonna happen, and all of a sudden I'll have access to the divine in a way right. that these other people do. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that wasn't happening for me, I started to really 
I don't know, um, criticize and mm-hmm. really become very judgmental of people who experience mm-hmm. the divine that way. And so I went into a period of like, you lie, <laughs> you right. lie. And like, and, and <laughs> instead of just listening, yeah. <laughs> right. And instead of just dealing with my own insecurity with right. my relationship to God, I was, you know, turning to the exterior. Anyways, I, I now, I don't, I'm not threatened by that anymore in the way that I was. Mm-hmm. I don't feel, you know, my sense of belonging threatened. So I'm able to take people more seriously and just become mm-hmm. curious when they use that language. But me personally, like I still have yet to experience God t- talk to me in a way right. that, you know, feels as tangible as what other people describe. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I have an intuition. <laughs> yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. people in my family would certainly say that about me but mm-hmm. it's very I, I'm not too quick to yeah to, to say that intuition always comes from God right <laughs> sometimes right. I think it just comes from trauma and you know mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. hyper dialed into certain things anyways yeah. I think now I've become much more comfortable with the fact that um I don't need to I I don't need to know for certain Mm -hmm. if it was God that told me or God that Mm -hmm. did it through me or whatever language like I I feel less need to know for certain if that's Mm -hmm. true if I feel a sense of integrity and a sense of alignment with like my true self and I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm you know being a a kind (laughs) and truthful and um yeah emotionally honest person I I, I trust that something of that is of the divine, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So people will message me even, even very recently, a person messaged me today and will say, you know, God speaks to me through you. And my first inclination <laughs> is always to say, like, oh no, I'm so like that. No, I think that was me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't you. It's it's terrifying. My yeah. first because I'm like, oh my That's I a doing? lot of is pressure it? a little bit too. Yeah. And I'm wondering, yeah. am I doing okay? Like I hope I said something that was, you know, good and true and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't just like pulling things out of wherever, yeah. you know, to yeah. sound significant. And so anytime someone communicates that to me, instead of I try mm-hmm. to release the fear and just think, okay, well, well, that just means you need to be that much more good and true and like mm-hmm. beautiful about the things that you say. So that when someone says that you're not yeah. terrified by it, but you can kind of stand in it and say, yeah, I hope you are encountering yeah. the divine through my mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's classic. I feel like imposter syndrome that can kind of wow mm-hmm. like that really I think comes in I feel it a lot I don't want to put what I feel on you but I get that a lot too in this sense of where uh, it's like a lot of things that we create I feel like are impactful and are positive and are done out of goodness and kindness for him but or for the divine but um I think sometimes it can feel like a little bit like oh gosh well let me think back I hope that was that came the right way. I hope I did the yes. right thing. I hope I'm not, you know, and I think a little bit of that, and I was going to ask you about that too, within writing this book, a little bit of it feels like uh, I, a question comes in my head a lot where I wonder, you know, well, who am I to say this? I think, you know, that's mm-hmm. just, you know, insecurities coming in for sure, but saying, you know, I hope that I'm the right person for people to come to for an answer to this question or for words in this, you know, time of trial or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. That can, that can feel pretty heavy. Um, well, that leads me perfectly into wanting to ask about this here flesh. It is so good. Um, I wonder just, and I know that, uh, from what I read, it seems like a lot of this came 
through quarantine, a lot of this writing and putting it kind of to paper, but did it, uh, did you ever feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome and writing what, I don't know if you would call it a memoir technically, um, but, you know, really putting a, a lot of really personal elements of your life in, but also perfectly, I think, weaving it with, with spirituality and with lessons and with, with questions, I think too, that are helpful for people. Yeah, I think I, I felt that as I was writing. I mean, I've always had the sense, if I'm honest, that I'm a writer more mm-hmm. than I'm other things. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't want to sound like I was completely, you know, not confident, but yeah. um, there were definitely times, I mean, especially once I finished and everyone, you know, Mm-hmm. it's like you finish the book and you're immediately expected to love it and then you have to go sell this book and market yeah. it and go on pod- podcasts like this right one and, literally you know, say how amazing <laughs> you think your book is right. and I, I I have really struggled with that because mm. um well I don't know if you know this but my grandmother who a lot of the I stories thought, in mm-hmm. the book are about she passed um mm-hmm. a few months ago just not even two months ago and it was right as I was beginning this marketing and promotions yeah. phase of the book and, you know, reading things over the final cut over. And mm-hmm. it, it just feels like the stories that I tell they're, they're it just feels like there's so much at stake in terms of mm-hmm. my familial story and me yeah. wanting to do that real justice. And so I have had a lot of serious doubts of like, mm-hmm. did I, did I do that justice? And I'll reread something and think, man, I wish I would have asked this mm-hmm. one clarifying question or, um, so it's definitely been difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you feel like some of that pressure will be released once the book is out? Do you think that's what's kind of holding that in or, you know, do you think it's just the creative process? Yeah, I'm really hoping that will happen. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that by the time the book is actually released, I'll be able to read it with kind of fresh eyes. And mm-hmm. um, I also just am, am hopeful that I'll have a better understanding of how other people are receiving it yeah. by that time. Whereas right now it just feels like, it, you know, it's f- just floating around. Yeah. And like <laughs> and, been there. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't yeah. really know, like, did this make sense or, you know, right. d- d- yeah. And, and so I, I'm hopeful that come February, some of that tension will be relieved or just mm-hmm. as I grieve, honestly, as I, as I yeah. grieve my grandma and um, yeah, continue to tap into her kind of legacy. I'm hopeful that right. I'll be able to years later, look back on this book and think, mm-hmm. you know, um, will I become a better writer? Yes. But, um, did I try to, to really honor her stories? Absolutely. And I'm hopeful Mm -hmm. in in a few years, uh, after a few years of grieving, I'll be able to really become honest about that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I grew to love her through it, through the chapters Mm -hmm. that I was able to read. So I think you did an incredible job at that. Um, and something that you'll also always have, you know what I mean? Printed. And when you get that real, I don't know if you've been able to get physical copies yet. I don't know what the process is, but when you have that real physical copy of her life that you've done a great job of sharing, I think that'll be just an incredible feeling. Yes, definitely. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. Do you, have you gotten physical copies yet? Or what is that for? What is the process of writing a book? (laughs) Yes. Um, it is, it, it, (laughs) <laughs> it takes so much longer than you think, you know, yeah, like the yeah. book contract came around in August and then, mm-hmm. 
last August that is and then you write for six months I wrote for about three months yeah um, and you edit for longer than you wrote the book yeah (laughs) (laughs) then you copy edit I'm so sensitive I feel like edit the editing process would be difficult (laughs) (laughs) I'm like brutal I'm like I want you to just give it to me I I writer (laughs) or I'm just masochistic and right. want my editors to be mean to me for no reason they're like it's good I'm like yeah. tell me it's bad Tear it up. Um, no but I haven't had a, I haven't gotten a physical copy yet and I've wanted oh to gosh. really preserve the like there were some physical advanced mm-hmm. reader copies sent out yeah and I was like you know don't even don't even right. send me one those are those are precious yeah precious. Send them to other yeah people. I haven't even gotten it like uh you know the mock-up advanced oh copy. my gosh and, yeah and, in physical but I think you're right like something about mm-hmm. having that physical artifact um, yeah. of, of the stories of my grandma mm-hmm. and, and my father will just be so so special yeah do you feel like black liturgies the account led you to writing the book or do you see those as pr- two pretty separate entities oh this is a good question I think um black liturgies made a way certainly mm for mm-hmm. me to attract attention from publishers mm-hmm. that I, I don't think I would have had the opportunities that I've yeah. had in terms of select cho- choosing and, right. <laughs> and, yeah. and the publisher that I'm with. I, I don't think I would have that those opportunities without mm-hmm. Black Liturgies, but it's a book I certainly would have written had Black Liturgies never existed. I could see myself writing that, yeah. this book, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That makes total sense. It really does. Wow. That's, it's so beautiful how that's worked together though. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think what, I think it will help your reach in a way to your connection with black liturgies. And then also the book in ways, I mean, just in the simple way that I found it through a friend of a friend from college that kept sharing your post. And now mm-hmm. to talk to you face to face, it's just so bizarre that that happened mm-hmm. a year ago. You know what I mean? And, right. and I'm a small very small part of that story. So I can't imagine the amount of people it's going to reach. Mm. Yeah. That's going to be so good. Well, I got to read you my favorite quote. So let me get it together right here. (laughs) And then I want you to talk about it, girl. Okay. Okay. So my favorite one, I mean, it's like a little bit brutal. It's so funny to to look at you now because you're just so you, you, you give up a very warm, sweet presence, but I'm sensing a little bit of spice, especially in this piece here. Um, But it's so I'm just going to read it real quickly. So you said the mirage of self has no concern for the sound of genuine in you, for the body, for the mind. It will not breathe for you. Do not be deceived. It does not want you hidden. It wants you dead. It is not dress up. It is suffocation, a murderous exile. To survive it, we must gain a certain loyalty to our selfhood. We must free the part of ourselves which seeks to to protect the self. And if practice right and focusing on finding selfhood, your calling into selfhood may enhance the sound of self in someone else. Like that is so stinking good. It, it's just bizarre. It's so it's so real. I think. I think obviously everybody has that that difficulty of of putting off a mirage or not truly being your true self, but feeling like what you're putting on is better than who you actually are, and it's mm-hmm. like elevating who you really are, but taking the risk to show. And this is what I took from it, taking the risk to show who you truly are and being loyal to what you've been created to do could give somebody else a voice and could Mm -hmm. breathe life into someone else. 
Um, And when I was reading that, I was like, okay, so if Cole was being herself right now, and if she was being herself with that account, she gave a voice to the voiceless and really helped people understand what they were feeling, helped people find their own creativity. And it's just kind of like a ripple effect. But when you were writing this, what was that? What was that coming from? Um, and do you feel like that's something that that you can still speak on? Mm. Oh, I'm so glad that you chose that section. That makes me it was so good. That's something that <laughs> I really feel like I hadn't been able to articulate verbally that it's tricky Mm -hmm. that when I wrote it, I was like, no, I feel like this, this is, is pretty close to what I, (laughs) the tension I feel inside. And yeah, I have, I've always been a pretty quiet, reserved Mm -hmm. person. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just so shy all, all throughout high school even. And yeah. um, I, I f- have felt this pressure to put on a, a, a mirage self. I mean, obviously as a black woman mm-hmm. of um, in two ways, either in terms yeah. of being really peaceable and, and fun loving and, mm-hmm. you know, kind, nice to everyone so that I don't yeah. seem threatening and right. I don't have to endure violence or I f- have felt this pressure to become like falsely extroverted and the life of the party mm-hmm. delivered from like sassy mm-hmm. black woman trope. Right. Um, right, right, right. So I, I felt, you know, myself hood being pulled in different directions for many years and still do. And I think it's, you know, very normal, but it's really dangerous when you begin to think that that mirage, m- mirage state that you're, you know, ex- you're putting out in the world is neutral, right. you know, that mm-hmm. you can just like, be patient with it and like yeah. it's just like neutral force in your life when when really I think uh, and I don't know if this made it into the final edit but like mm-hmm. the, the love you receive when you're wearing a mask it mm-hmm. only affirms that you know unmasked you're unlovable like that's the way right. you know that's exactly it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a suffocation mm-hmm. um and so I, I still definitely you know struggle with that and think about that especially now mm-hmm. that I'm in you know public (laughs) in a public facing role um now more than ever I think about that and Mm -hmm. I guess if there's one thing I wish I would have added to that chapter it would have been a little more nuance around the fact that it's not always safe not everyone Mm -hmm. is your true self you know Mm -hmm. I, I I don't mean to suggest that every person you encounter is entitled to your your truest selfhood because there's something yeah. of a protective you know state there's something protective mm-hmm. about the false self sometimes that I think you know you it's it's worth thinking about at least it's it's worth contending with with a little more nuance to think okay what is it what does it mean if I'm hiding this part of myself mm-hmm. to these people um I'm more interested in what does it mean if I'm hiding that part of myself within me what if I'm right what if I'm hiding that to from myself yeah. you know mm-hmm. I'm more concerned with an alignment and a reconciliation to myself as opposed to mm-hmm. necessarily you know putting my true self in all of its forms you know out yeah. on display to all people right, that right. Would leave me very raw and very wounded and mm-hmm. um and I think we have of course, I'm reducing the concept. We have many, you know, selves that we project and different people yeah. bring out different things in, in us. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean to say in that chapter is really, what are you hiding from yourself? Like where are the places yeah. you can't go within yourself um, because mm-hmm. you've been trained to hate them? Mm-hmm. Now, um, the, the end of that section about Mm-hmm. having the potential to free someone else into their true right. selfhood. I actually, that that's not an original thought. Howard mm-hmm. Thurman, he has this, you know, famous mm-hmm. speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people call it the sound of the genuine. And he mm-hmm. says, you know, we each have this sound of the genuine that waits right. within each of us. Um, and it's a, everyone who's listening to this should go read the speech. It's successful yeah. online. Um, but at the, uh, toward the end, he says, and I'm paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. Now, it's possible for me to travel down in my true self and come up in you. Mm. To travel down into my true selfhood and come up with you. And having made that pilgrimage to see myself through your eyes. And he, t- like, I, I love the way you Unbelievable. talk about people. Yeah. If you yeah. travel into the truth of your selfhood, it's possible to come up in another person mm-hmm. and see what they see in you. And, 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 wow. and that being this, um, this bridge to connect people. In, and I think that, you know, what he's describing is, mm-hmm. you know, the people you feel safe around, the people exactly. you feel exactly. your shoulders relax around, mm-hmm. you know, and your jaw and clench around. Um, so I, I just think that speech is really beautiful. Yeah, that is so beautiful. That's so good. That's so good. And I feel like too, I mean, I think it's, it, it's so difficult. It's, it's harder than it sounds, I think, to find that selfhood and to not lie to yourself about who you are lie to others about who you are and then especially with I think the way that the way that you feel like you you should be and then specifically with being a black woman just like you were saying you were like on two completely opposite spectrums like I think you were saying you don't want to seem you don't want to come off as aggressive but you also don't want to come off as too sassy you don't want to come you know what I mean it's all these different elements that can come into that and the the ability I think to discern how much of yourself you can give to each person you come in contact with can be tricky mm-hmm. too, especially when you're, you know, making the choice to put what I would say is a lot of your true self into the public, right? And mm-hmm. so expressing your true words, expressing yourself through this book is, is a, taking a lot of ownership, I think, in that and really, really kind of taking control of that narrative, which I think is so important, but really hard for people to do, I, myself included, you know, it's a really, it's a really big task to take on. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's so good. Well, something else I had to mention is that we have a common love and that is James Baldwin. I am like obsessed. Like, yes. it's like pretty unhealthy, I would say. Like I've got every single book. I've watched every single documentary and I feel so personally connected to him. Um, mm-hmm. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think he was probably, I think the reason I've been so connected to him from a young age was because I really understood his mindset and his place in his own social structure and how the world seemed to be moving really fast around him. And instead of putting on a mirage or pretending to be something he wasn't or acting in ways that he, he couldn't, he used his creativity and his mind to, to influence, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, to, and kind of created a path for the creative and created a path for people to, to, to speak, I think, in really incredible ways, but not without being 
pretty brutal in a lot of his descriptions and honest and, and, and he, he empowers me so much to not hold back when I'm describing the way that I feel or the way that I Mm -hmm. think things are, or the way that things are through my viewpoint. Um, and I saw, I mean, it's just, it's really bizarre too, to read, I, you know, just reading a lot of his personal pieces and then reading your book, I just could tell the influence right away, even if you wouldn't have mentioned him, because I think I have this awful habit. It's really so bad where when I really like a book, I'll get a few chapters in and then I go to the back of it and I read the acknowledgements oh, <laughs> and I, I read the last habit. page because I'm like, who am I? Who is this author? You know what I mean? And so I did that with yours. And I know that you mentioned Toni Morrison and James Baldwin, two of my favorites and some others, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to know how I want, I, this is my time to geek out over him, but how has he influenced or if has he influenced your writing? And then also how has he influenced your faith? Because that's something that he talks a good yes. bit about. And it's always, I, I want to hear you. I'm going to let you speak. I want to hear your perspective, but how has he impacted your, your creativity and your faith? First of all, I love that you love James Baldwin. Like, yes. <laughs> and I, I feel exactly the same way about, mm-hmm. you know, how he's liberated me to, to tell the truth with mm-hmm. the emotion that it demands. Yeah. Um, so I definitely, I mean, I'll, I guess starting there, I definitely think that in in speech, you know, you mean, mm-hmm. actually you remarked that I, I come across kind of sweet and, and warm and verbally I do yeah. in my writing, there's something that I've learned of James Baldwin. I mean, he was very good with his speech as well, but and he really was. Yeah. I, I've at least been able to tap in a little, a little mm-hmm. in my writing, that emotional mm-hmm. truth telling and mm-hmm. that, um, you know, being unafraid to say things and let them be tense and let them yeah. stay tense and just like and let it stay there resolution yeah, yeah. i mean right. james, he said right. james baldwin he he says and i'm paraphrasing again you know mm-hmm. all artists all artists if they are to survive are forced at last to vomit the anguish up to mm-hmm. vomit the anguish up yeah and it's it's, it's grotesque language it's intense language and it's it I, I hope I've done some of that in in mm-hmm. black liturgies of it's this um yeah this embodied you feel it yeah, you feel, you feel it. it yeah it in you mm-hmm. I I I sometimes flinch or feel myself clenching up when I'm reading you know yeah. old things that I've written and I hope that's because I've been able to incorporate some level of emotional truth-telling but just as a person, I mean, I, I, I would, even to be mentioned in the same sentence of just James Baldwin, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever, you, I don't even care what you said about Literally. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Die it. But there's something about yeah. um, his spirituality that mm-hmm. really is, is liberating for me and that he didn't feel the need to prove um, mm-hmm. prove his doctrine to prove his orthodoxy right. and yeah. I I feel such release when I think about mm-hmm. that to think of, you know you and I years later are being formed by him who yeah. a man who wasn't quick to give answers who wasn't quick to give yeah. answers about who God is the nature of God, God. Mm-hmm. he had a lot of questions and a lot of struggles and tensions mm-hmm. and and he he let the he, I, I guess I'll say, I want to be a person who mm-hmm. allows myself that freedom to change my yeah. mind, to say, 
you know, I I don't believe one day to say, say, Mm -hmm. I don't believe in God one day. And then the next, you know, week to say, you know, I've seen seen God today in in my neighbor, you know, and to not be so boxed in. I think a lot of Christian writing, Mm -hmm. sadly, Mm -hmm. is so zeroed in on what, you know, what you think your audience wants to hear, what, you know, doctrine your audience ascribes to. And so, you know, if you believe X, it means you believe uh, A, B, and C as well. And, you know, all of we're just trained into this, you know, this track, I think, or these different tracks and you're forced to choose. And James Baldwin didn't choose. He wasn't going to choose literature or, you know, the the Bible. He wasn't going to choose vulgarity or purity. Mm -hmm. He, Mm -hmm. He was infusing these things and allowing exactly. as, as much to be true as is true for him. Right. Humanity, you know, mm-hmm. is what I just feel when I, when I read him and it's, you're so right. I so often will find myself trying to find him answering something because I don't have the answer. And so I'm like, well, what would James Baldwin say? And he didn't say anything. You know what I mean? You know, it's the freedom to, and I, you know, I think that you're so right. I think whenever, and I, this is a, a, a fault of mine, whenever I say something brutally honest and grotesque and real and raw, I'm quick mentally to say, okay, how can I soften this in the next yes. line when I'm writing or when I'm doing the podcast, you know, I'm like, okay, I just said this. How can I, how can I make that fall a little bit less sharp? How can I make that less crisp? Mm-hmm. And then I wonder why I'm doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it seems that people are so much more impacted by the grotesque, by what they can feel and smell and hear when they're reading or listening. Um, mm-hmm. And that that softness, that kind of extra fat is so unappealing. When I go back and listen or go back and read, I'm like, well, I need to take that out. I don't know why I'm trying to make this so cushiony because it's not, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But mm-hmm. it once again, it takes being really vulnerable and really it's a vulnerability and confidence in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and just knowing that what you're saying is right. You know what I mean? Not that you're right, but that what you're saying is, is true, which I think is, is a pretty tricky balance. Yes. So yeah. well said. So well uh, said. Yeah. So, so good. Okay. I have my last question for you. It's kind of like a, a big scope one, but what would you say, if you can think off the top of your head, is is the most rewarding affirmation you've received from the work that you've created, looking about Black liturgies and maybe even the, the book too, now that some people have read it? Hmm. The most rewarding affirmation. Mm-hmm. I told you it was a big one, girl. Yeah, it is a big one. You know, I'm I'm trying, you know how when you're trying to think of a different answer Mm -hmm. besides the one that comes to you immediately? I want the one. Yeah. Yeah, the one that just comes to me immediately is honestly, it is my my grandma. Um, Mm. She was a writer and um, I absolutely wanted to be like her. I want to speak like her. I want to sound like her. Yeah, me too, um, girl. And she we had a, a lot of hard question, or hard conversations mm-hmm. while I was writing the book. And I would mm. call her and kind of ask for stories. I'd, I'd, I'd call her each week and I'd have, you know, three or four questions and yeah, she would, I would say, can you answer them with stories? And um, so she got to see my writing process. Um, mm-hmm. But also we talked a lot about this, this tension of the dreams that she had for her life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
and for her own writing that yeah she wasn't granted the privilege to live into those dreams mm. in the way that mm. I have um and just wow. how painful that is as well mm-hmm. and I I think that's something that I feel like our, our elders don't always get space to name to that yeah. grief you know you're watching the people that you raise you're watching your children and your children's children um live a, a better life than you were able to have access to but at the same time I yeah. think all of that at the same time confronts you with your own grief and your own loss mm. and and what you had access to and so I say all of this to say that I held a lot of tension in me as I was writing just thinking man I wish I just wish you, she could write this with me, you know, like I just yeah. wish it was both of us yeah. and, and, and all of this. And, and one day, um, I don't even remember, I don't remember mm-hmm. saying or mentioning that tension in me, but maybe she sensed it in me. And she just said, anything that I have hoped for has been met. Yeah. In you. Um, wow. And you, you know, she, I put a lot of pressure on my writing. I want the the I want to be good at the craft. I don't just yeah. want to be, um, well, yeah. I I will just say it say it like that. I want yeah. to be good at the craft. I have a lot of high expectations for myself. And she just explained like you've always been a writer. You you right. know you're going to be yeah. a writer tomorrow. You're going to be a writer the day after your book comes out, whether or not yeah. it does well or everyone hates it. Like it's in right. you because it's in me, and you're of me. And there's right. something about knowing that like there's a part of you <laughs> that yeah. you can't escape you know like this exactly it's, it's in you you know that I guess that it might not sound like an affirmation to a lot of people but to me it was to know mm-hmm. it's in you because it's in me and you're of me and um that kind of intergenerational word of yeah. love I think will stay mm-hmm. with me yeah that's so beautiful oh I love it as are you in this conversation and just thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this um, and everything and it's so cool to interview someone and to meet someone when you've been following them for some time and in the back of my head I'm always like oh my gosh I hope they're as great as I kind of built them up to be (laughs) and you have like exceeded every expectation and this has just been an incredible conversation and I want everyone to read this here flesh I'm telling you as soon as it comes out it's going to be like my next gift there's always a book that I give people when the holidays (laughs) come around and so I'll at least be buying it (laughs) oh thank you and thanks for having me you You know thanks for having me and wanting to be in conversation with me I just appreciate it and for reading my book I mean you truly are one of the first people who I've gotten to hear feedback from and so it was just beautiful hearing words that I wrote come out of your mouth as another black woman and um, I'm holding that close oh I'm so glad I'm so glad it's been so great to speak with you thank you Cole and I can't wait till we can talk again yes thank you awesome and I'm just gonna stop recording I just wanted it to end really nicely um awesome